You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Oh man, good stuff. Hey, take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of John. John is found in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John. If you don't have a Bible with you, hopefully our ushers are coming down the aisle. They've got a stack of Bibles in their hand, and they'd love to give you a loaner there. Just leave it in your seat when you're done. And it's always good to bring your own Bible. And if you don't have one, uh, head in the back uh, after the service into the uh, information desk there, and they'd be happy to uh, let you have one for free. So uh, we ask that you read it. Also encourage you to take out your uh, uh, worship folder, fold it over. Uh, Rich mentioned the National Day of Prayer. Encourage you to be involved in that, mostly to pray, pray for this nation. But don't just pray just on one day, <laughs> one day a year. Pray lots. Uh, our nation needs this prayer, and uh, and uh, appreciate you praying that. We we want to. We're actually called by Scripture to pray for our leaders. And then of course you have this card that I told you all about before that. And if you didn't put it in the offering plate. Uh, just at the end of the service, hand it to a usher or bring it up to me. We'll be happy to, to work that thing through and uh, spend some time with that. Also, I want to encourage you that after the end of every uh, service, usually most every service we do, we have a, a study page that we produce. It's just kind of an extended way to, to go through uh, what we've talked about on Sunday. There'll be some up front here, and uh, most of them will be back down at the uh, Community Life Group. That's our small group desk. It's right in the lobby. If you go out these double doors and turn left, You'll find that there, and I encourage you to grab that. It's always good to study on and and to move forward in that. You know, there's there's a um, very interesting and um, informative show that uh, it's no longer now on the Discovery Channel, but it started with the Discovery Channel a number of years ago called Dirty Jobs. And if you've seen that that, uh, TV show and seen that, where the host, Mike Rowe, is shown doing some dirty jobs. Now, um, as an apprentice to those who do the job on a regular basis, Mike works alongside uh, them and understands their work. He wants to, to know and understand their work, and, and, uh, and, and they tend to be difficult. They tend to be strange, uh, disgusting many of the times, dirty, and messy. And, and of the nearly uh, 200 episodes that he's done, uh, Mike has done jobs that include coal miner, uh, that's our charcoal maker, which is, you know, when you have charcoal briquettes, someone has to actually make those. There they are, being made. <laughs> Mike was doing some of that. He was also involved a, as a, in, in a rendering factory. Now, not a lot of people like to talk about that, but when, you know, there's roadkill, and uh, when uh, c- uh, farm animals uh, pass away, or when uh, pets die, a lot of times they're taken to a rendering plant. And this plant processes their body and makes all kinds of useful stuff out of it. And it smells like you think it would smell. So uh, he does that job. Also, uh, uh, Mackinac Bridge uh, Painter. This, this uh, bridge is larger than the Golden Gate, and he's constantly painting. And people are on high wires uh, going around trying to paint that. He's been involved in that. Also, as an o- opal miner, uh, a dirt sanitizer. Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? I, yeah, I don't know. But a- as well... He's been a, a shark bite tester. <laughs> I, just like, I just like that job. Uh, and then an uh, isolation chamber tester. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, but he also worked in a blue cheese factory. Yeah, just enough said about that. All, all to gain back a- and to understand the value of work. I want you to listen to, to Mike uh, 
as he talks about the problem with work. This was, clip was taken from a TED talk a, a little while ago. Check this out. And that has continued uh, uh, and compounds with this devaluing of work. Uh, we hear it in phrases like, no one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I could spend more time at the office or worked a bit harder. But that really is not true. Especially for those who love their vocations, who enjoy their jobs and have fun at their work. Uh, they sing things like uh, Tim Downs brings out in his book, Finding Common Ground, that Albert Einstein's last words to his son are reported to say, if I only had more mathematics, <laughs> only more time to figure out equations. Uh, the French composer Ravel lamented, I, I still had so much music to write. He loved his job. An engineer and inventor, James Eads, contested, I cannot die. I have not finished my work. <laughs> Our own emotions towards work are complicated. Sometimes there's nothing that gives us more satisfaction. Other times it feels like a complete drudgery. Sometimes we get lazy. Other times we become workaholics. Sometimes we can't stand to work any longer and even slip into that dark place of depression and worthlessness. Work takes up the majority of our day uh, to about one-third of an adult life, maybe even more. Work is important. Work is something actually God created and did himself. Yet sin broke work. And according to Genesis chapter 3, with the effects of sin... Work is now toilsome, confusing, degrading, corrupting, emptying, hopeless, demoralizing, and exhausting. <laughs> Sound like some of your last week? <laughs> we have degraded work to a necessary evil, thinking that no work is better. I could just uh, win the lottery and win millions and go sit on a beach and life would be great. Except studies show time and time again that lottery winners who quit work don't enjoy themselves and have more problems than before. There's a whole level of despair associated with the unemployed. And not working when you're able actually leads to mental and medical disorders, memory loss, and loss of relationships. As well, the broken reality of work is that it can turn into, we can turn to it for self-value. And we can even make it an idol, uh, thinking that success and accomplishments and achievements at work are life's aim. But what happened at Easter changed everything. Yes, Easter. Mem remember last week? <laughs> he is risen. You remembered. <sighs> but Easter, that... Uh, that validation that Christ's death and his, his, his suffering and death were payment for our sins. Uh, and, and that resurrection is that validation that God accepted that offering. That now, because of Christ, it's proof that his teachings are true. And Jesus does breathe life into every area of our lives. Do you remember John 10, 10? We looked at it last week. The last part of that verse says, I have come that I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That Jesus came to give us life back that sin corroded and destroyed. Jesus can redeem life. Our whole life. Every part of our life. 
our private life, our home life, our church life, our recreation life, our relationship life, and even our work life. See, it's faith in Jesus that brings redemption to work, bringing life, real life, back into work, making work life-giving, energizing, and fulfilling. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go into work with that? To start Monday morning with that, knowing that you're going to be energized, you're going to be life will be breathed into and fulfilled. Some of you feel that, some of you don't. But it's, Jesus can bring that adventure in living out God's call on our lives at work. And so, I'd like this morning for us to look at an interesting instance in John chapter 11, where Jesus redeems Lazarus back from the to dead and, and brings him to life and see how we can go about making work live as we believe in Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and obey all of Jesus. And so if you wouldn't mind, set your notes aside for a second and stand up and let's uh, pray as we walk into this. I'm very excited about the, the challenge that God is going to give us through this series. Um, all of us work. Even if we're retired, we still work. And God is part of that. And God has ordained it, and he will help us through it, and we can see our work as ministry. So let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, just the, the privilege you've given us to work. That's a call that you've given us. And, and Lord, I pray this morning as we take a look at that and, and be challenged to let you really redeem work and to make work live, to breathe life into that. Father, help us to understand what it is you'd want us to get out of today. I know that each one of us, Lord, you've given us individual thoughts and you'll give them to us as we jot down notes and think through these topics today. Help us uh, make these things live in our own life. And Lord, may we be different because we spent time at this place, challenged even in what we have to do on Monday morning. So pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. and encourage you, if you haven't already done so, take out that note page. And, and uh, um, uh, not a whole lot of blanks to fill in this time. But uh, I encourage you to jot down a lot of the verses that we mentioned. There's going to be a lot of study to look up later on. And I even help you by printing some of the verses right in the worship folder there. But to make work live is first to believe in Jesus. Now, hopefully you're in Luke, or excuse me, John chapter 11. But in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus is with the disciples. And he's uh, going around ministering in different villages and, and telling people about him, the kingdom of God, and, and, and the, that, that he is the answer to that. And, and he's also healing all kinds of diseases and, and you know, giving sight to the blind, causing the lame to walk. And, and Jesus is doing a tremendous amount of work. And he's with his disciples. Now, the, the um, difficulty has been happening, as we saw even last week, and about the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Jewish leaders and the religious leaders have not been liking what Jesus has been doing because now people's attention is taken off of them and put actually on God where it should have been. <laughs> but, but they're getting upset and they're plotting actually to kill him. And so Jesus kind of is trying to avoid and, and, and the disciples are trying to avoid him from getting close to Jerusalem. Well, all of a sudden, someone comes up and says to Jesus in, in John chapter 11, your friend Lazarus is really sick. And Mary and Martha are asking you to come. They know that you can heal him. Please come. Jesus acknowledges it, and you'd think he would just drop everything and run and get there. But he waits. He waits a number of days. 
And, 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 and people are wondering, why are you waiting? This is your friend. We should go. And some are saying, no, don't go because it's closer to Jerusalem and they're going to kill you. And, and Jesus says, you know, it's okay. This sickness isn't leading to death. Lazarus is just asleep. And the guys say, well, if he's just asleep, then someone just wake him up. <laughs> but then Jesus goes, no, no, no. Lazarus is dead. And they're going, oh, well, this is going to be great to walk into. And so they finally make it over there. Martha comes out to meet him and, and just falls at his feet, uh, uh, broken, and said, Lord, if you had only been here, if you had only been here, Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus, I, I could picture him you know, picking her up and holding her uh, face in his hands and, and looking with deep compassion and love like, like no one else can. And looks into her eyes and says to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Jesus is referring not just to the death condition of Lazarus, but of mankind and our sin problem. Romans Chapter 5, verse 12, all over Romans talks about this, but verse 12 says specifically this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all have sinned. We have a disease ripping through humanity. It has reached pandemic proportion. And it all started back with, it says, through one man. Do you know who that one man is? Adam, turn with you, me, keep your finger in John, flip over to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis 1 to 3 tells Adam's story and where work got broken. So flip over to Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, God is creating. He's doing his creation work. God as the worker is working. All, all through the, this, this first chapter, God is doing something, and in, in, in a number of verses, uh, uh, in verse 4, in, in verse 10, in verse 12, in verse uh, 18, in verse uh, 21, and in verse 30, uh, 26, or 20, 25, and verse 31, it says, that it says this, and God saw what he had made, and it was good. Seven different times it talks about God's work being good. God's work, good meaning pleasant, agreeable, uh, agreeable to the senses, enjoyable. Letting us know God was having a blast at his job. He got up, he got his coffee, and he got his, you know, God suit on, and he walked into work and said, let's see what I'm going to do today. And he makes the birds, yes! Wow, that was good. Oh, how much fun was that? Look at these crazy creatures I made today. I made this, you know, platypus with this weird bill that goes up and like this. And I go, oh, wow, look at this. I'm going to make weird kind of animals. I'm going to make a Tasmanian devil. Have you ever seen one of those things? It's a weird eyes. And, you know, it's a crazy thing. Like, or you know what? I'm going to make a fish, but it's not going to swim this way. It's going to be flat on the ground, and it's going to have its eyes up like that. It's going to be a halibut. It's going to be great. He was having a blast. God, as a worker, was enjoying every single day, and it was exciting. And he's going to say, you know, hey, you know what? I'm going to make some things. I'm gonna, they're going to be monkeys. 
and they're going to look like man and confuse them all over the place. <laughs> and the bugs, oh, let's make some really cool bugs. I'm going to make this, this praying mantis, you know, and I'm going to make him look exactly like a leaf. And it's going to be so cool. They're not going to know he's even there. And he was just having a blast. God enjoyed his job. God is a worker. The greatest example we have, we should be more like God at work. Excited about what we have to do. Excited for the common good that we're going to be able to present to humanity from our job. Well, in Genesis 1 verse 28, God gave man a job. Look at verse 28. It's up on the screen as well. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, You get the fruitful part. I don't need to talk about that. The other subdue, make for the common good. Utilize the earth's resources and do something good with it for the good of common man. And then do the hard work of ruling. He gave us a job. Not only that, in Genesis 2.15, he gave us even more. He said in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden and said, work it and care for it. And now this is before sin entered the world and ruined work. You see, work is not part of the results of sin. So don't say that work is part of the curse. And if, if sin never entered the world, I would never work. That's not true. You were created, you and I were created to work. It's part of our makeup. It's what God, God is a worker, we're going to be a worker. We're made in his image, we're going to do what he does. And so we work, and work is good. We were created for that, and God wants us to work. When we buck against working, we're bucking against our, one of our prime functions. Even though it is now more difficult. Go over to Genesis chapter 3. Just flip over to Genesis chapter 3. This is where work gets messy. You know the story. That slippery, slimy serpent Satan comes, tempts the woman. The woman says, here, eat this to the man. The man goes, okay, I'll just do it. And, and, and. Problem hits, sin enters the world, and that sin spread like that pandemic throughout all of humanity affecting that. And here is the result. To Adam, God said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I commanded you not to eat, you must not eat of it. Cursed the ground. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. All the days of your life, this is verse 17 of chapter 3, verse 18, it will produce thorns and thistles, for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since you were taken from the dust you are to dust become dust yourself in return work is different now work isn't the fun and the enjoyment as it should be it's toilsome it's toilsome because of sin but the truth is there is hope We have a Redeemer. That's why Easter changed everything. This is where Jesus changed everything, for for he is the resurrection and life. He brings life to all aspects of life, to our souls. 
Our souls, because of our sin, are dead. They're not alive. They're dead. Just sitting there, dormant, dead because of sin. All have sinned and fallen short of that God. That pandemic that started with Adam affects you and will affect us throughout all, etern- uh, throughout all of the man's age because sin is transferred down. I'm sinful. You're sinful. We're all sinful. Just say out loud, I'm sinful. See, that's good. You admit it. Now, the, 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 we're all sinful and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that sin stops us and it holds us in our tracks. But Jesus came to bring life to that sin. He is the antidote. He is the, the, the cure for our sin problem. And how we benefit from that is to believe. To have faith in Jesus. To have faith that he is our redeemer. He brings our soul to life. He brings our mind and emotion to life. As well as our home life, our relationship life, our church life, and even our work life. The key to start and continue the process of letting Jesus resurrect life, including our work, making work live, is to believe in Jesus. To personally trust. To have faith in Jesus. Write these verses down. They're up on the screen here, and and you can read them later. But let me just breeze through them quickly. Faith takes hearing. In, in, In Romans 10, 17, faith comes through hearing the word. It's hearing what God has to say. Being at church is a good thing. You're hearing God's word. You're hearing the truth of God's word. But you need to hear it yourself. Once a week's not good enough. You need to get into God's word and read it yourself and know, listen, and understand, take in the word of truth. Know Jesus. Know who he is. Know what he's like. Understand his teachings. Listen to Jesus. Faith takes hearing. So know him more. Faith is demonstrated in actions. James 2, verses 14 to 26, talk about faith and works, faith and evidence. If there is faith in your life, there will be evidence. If I light this stage on fire, which I'm not going to do, if I light the stage on fire, you will see evidence. It will be burning. You will be running from the building. Fire alarms will go off. It wouldn't be a good thing. But there will be evidence of that. The same way, if you have faith in Jesus, there will be evidence in your life. Here's a good indicator. Write this down. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The, the, the fruit is the, the result of a tree working. You see the fruit. So the result, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of God's Spirit in you, of faith, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you didn't quite catch that, write down Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. That's the fruit of the Spirit. There will be some evidence in your life. If there's no evidence... There's no faith. So look at your life. Is there evidence that God is in your life? You have faith. They continue to grow in that. It's demonstrated in action. Continue to practice your faith. That means live it out. Faith also connects us to Jesus. Write down Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Uh, it gains us access to Christ through faith. When we believe in Jesus, you know, we're once sinful, dead, separation between God and man, sin, uh, sin cannot handle, be involved with the holy God. Jesus bridges that gap. He allows us to come into relationship with God. He connects us. Uh, faith connects us to God so that we now can have that relationship with him. Faith, belief, brings life. It, it resurrects even a dead job to where we can experience life in it. And even fulfills some of the common good of humanity as well as providing a living for our family. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus and faith in Him. Even if we 
have a dirty job. Even if we have a difficult job, one that we struggle in, and that's just hard. You know, there are some work that's just really hard. There's some jobs that are very, very difficult. Some are fairly easy compared to the difficulties of others. But even in the most difficult jobs, there can be life there. It's turning to trust in Jesus and to believe in Him, looking to Him as our career coach. And that's what brings life. As well, to make work live is to surrender to Jesus. As Jesus reminds Martha, holding her in, possibly her head in His hands, saying that He is the resurrection and life. Verse 26, Jesus says, And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Looking eyeball to eyeball with Martha, he says, Do you believe this? Martha, do you, do you surrender to the reality that this is true? Do you trust in this teaching? For to trust in Jesus is to surrender to Jesus' lordship in your life. For surrender involves sacrifice. Romans 12.1, we are to present ourselves, you can look this verse up later, we are to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. See, they were all used to the whole sacrificial system of, of kind of covering their sin, Israel was, that they would sacrifice an animal, the animal would you know, be dead on the altar. It was dead. We're to be a living sacrifice. In other words, to live a life of surrender to God. You know, that surrender, it's that, it's that, that faith fall <laughs> into God's arms saying, I'm going to trust you woo, with everything in my life my direction in life, um, how I lead my life, how I think about life, how I act in life, I'm going to trust in you and surrender everything I have to you. Do you believe this? That he is the resurrection and the life. It involves surrender. It involves sacrificing our will for his. Israel, surrender means humility. Write down pro, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. It's a great and wonderful passage speaking of Jesus' humility, that though he existed in the form of God, he did not see that as a, a equality with God as a thing to be grasped in his humanness. And so he emptied himself, squeezing himself into the tininess of a man, and he humbled himself. The Lord God Almighty, who Colossians 1 says created everything we see, submitted himself even to be crucified. The worst form of punishment you could ever imagine. He humbled himself. Sacrifice involves humility. It's starting to say, not my will, God, but yours. Not my will, and I want to just cross that person at work because they hurt me. Oh! I'm going to go, God, your will. I'm going to be firm, but I'm going to be kind. See, see you, just because you're going God's way doesn't mean you just fall over limp. You, you are firm but kind. You know, God tells us to be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. <laughs> we're, we're, we're to be kind and loving. People should walk away from us sensing the love of God. It's surrendering, it's, it's humbling. Surrender also means to revere Jesus as Lord, to worship him. Uh, write, write, that, write this down, and I, you know, I would love for you to read the, all of the book of Joshua, but I know that's asking too much. But in, in Joshua, 
chapter 24, uh, verse 14, is, is a great ending of a, of a story. That the children of Israel moved into the promised land, and Joshua, uh, this one you know, strong and courageous Joshua, has led them through conquesting the, the promised land. And it has been, you know, victory and some defeats, but victories all over the place. And, and Joshua has been a faithful leader, a wonderful leader who feared God and, and trusted him, had been totally surrendered to God's will and his way. And he's standing before the people because he knows he's done. His work is done. God is going to take him home. And he knows it. God has said to him. So he has a kind of a final speech with the children of Israel. And he stands up before them. And he goes over and says, you know, you know, don't listen to the gods of, of the, or your forefathers back in Egypt or even the gods of the, of the land you're now living. He says, surrender to God. Humble yourself to God. And then he says, fear God. Fear him. Revere him. And he says, as for me and my house, I'm going to choose the Lord. I'm going to choose to fear him humble myself to surrender but to fear him and that's worship is to choose to place our highest affection on him to adore him to value him over anything else to praise him because jesus can bring life to our souls and to our jobs the big question is do you believe this it's not a, a list of tasks to accomplish. Check this off, check this off. It is a movement of our mind to believe in Jesus, to surrender to Jesus. It's faith in Jesus, a total trust, a full surrender to his will and his way. And that is seen in the next way to make work live, to obey all of Jesus. Just like Martha, she answered that question, do you believe? She said, yes, yes, Lord. Lord meaning owner, meaning master, meaning the one who is over my life. Not me over this and just supplementing it with, I, I believe this, this, this. But actually saying, I believe you are Lord. I believe that you are the son of, that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. She recognizes his position in his life. And we're to believe and obey Jesus all over the place. Even at work. Now you probably met somebody, or, or maybe it's you, who because of how they act at work, you wonder how they could call themselves a Christian. It's like they live in two different worlds. See, to, to believe is to obey and to seek to do our best to live life Jesus' way, to follow his purposes, his word, the Bible, even at work, for belief shows write this down. I wish you could read the whole story and you might want to sometime this week, but, but um, the story of the first king of Israel, he, Saul. Remember Saul, head and shoulders above everybody else? He had a job. His job was to be the first king of Israel. And, and everybody thought, hey, this guy looks the part. He's majestic, you know, he's really tall and they associated tall with, 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 with wisdom and tall with good warrior and tall, maybe even being closer to God because they were just, you know, just a, a foot. He said he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So he was like, you know, a foot closer to God than everybody else. <laughs> uh, but they looked upon him and he, he was taking his first job and, and, and God gave him a directive. Go to this village and completely annihilate it. Everything. Don't leave one thing unturned. Don't leave one thing alive. 
That's your directive. So Saul went out and he started doing that. And all of a sudden he noticed, ooh, boy, they got a lot of gold in this city. Ooh, they've got some good sheep in this city. I'll, I'll just take a few. I'll take a few and, and I'll make sure that I worship God with this and, and, and I'll take it that. And, 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 and if you can, I'd love to play out the scene for you, but, but, but uh, the prophet comes in and, and says, why didn't you obey God? And, and, and Saul says, I obeyed God. Look, I did this. And, I, and, I, and, and then uh, Samuel says, what's that uh, baying of sheep I hear? <laughs> Uh, no, you didn't follow God's directive. And he was cursed from being king, not allowed to do his job anymore because instead of obeying God, he did what he wanted. And he even tried to schmooze God by worship. And yet we hear clearly in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, to obey is better than sacrifice. And we don't, can't be too hard on King Saul because we do the same thing. When we use work time to do personal things, that's called cheating and stealing. Or when we take credit for someone else's achievements at work, that's called lying. And so is it when we call in sick when we're not. As well, coming in constantly late or leaving early and because no one says anything thinking it's okay, that's being dishonest. And then, well, you know, hey, Mike, come on. I go to church. You know, that's sacrifice enough. I mean, look at that. I've got a busy weekend. Yeah, I mean, you can only give an hour a day and Jesus gave his whole life for you? I mean, come on. Is it really sacrifice? God says to not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, we sacrifice. Maybe throw a few bucks in the offering plate and think that's a demonstration of great faith. Or really is it? See, to obey is better than sacrifice. Believers seek to obey. Obedience to Jesus will bring in his resurrecting power into our lives. Now, I know work is tough. And there could be some of you that are in abusive jobs. That's the reality of the sin nature of our work. There are times when we have bad and yucky bosses and we struggle and it just seems like we're working for a tyrant and hopefully none of our staff is looking going, yes. <laughs> Don't move your head, Rich. <laughs> but you know, the truth is that jobs are like that. And yeah, you need to seek counsel and maybe that's not the right place for you. But, but God can even make even a difficult situation. I mean, you think of some of the, the, the work that's, that the slaves had to do in Egypt or the, the slaves had to do in, in biblical times and and yet God tells them, you know, slaves, obey your masters. God wants us to, to, to even have our work resurrected, even in the most difficult situations. Yes, if you need to make a job change, make that change, but do it well. And obey is knowing and following. Work is work. Because of sin, it will be toilsome. But Jesus can redeem work and make it live. As we believe in Jesus, surrender to Jesus, and obey all of Jesus. The question is, will you? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for um, actually the joy work is. You allow us to experience and to, to be involved in things like you were involved in things. You've given us the, the, the talents and the abilities and the insight and the wisdom you have given us so that we can work to the common good of our 
society, our neighborhood, our families, and provide for them, and, and all of that. And uh, um, thank you for that. Thank you for the privilege that work is. And Lord, help us to do a good job and to be excited and thrilled at our job, knowing that it is something that you have called us to. And Lord, as we go through this series, may we be encouraged and, and, and challenged and, and motivated to work like you want us to work and to be that example, that light in our work as we reflect you. So thank you. Lord, help us and challenge us. Thanks for this challenging, uh, this message was this morning, to, to breathe life, to make work live. Help us to believe in you, to surrender to you, and to obey all of you, Jesus. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. We're going to move into a response time in our service this morning.